Hey folks, welcome to the podcast. Just me today. Um, Tim is helping take care of some family. I got some people that are not feeling well. And so it's just me today finishing up talking about seeking godly wisdom versus earthly wisdom. And uh, I told a guy on the phone while I go with my white shirt today, I looked like a milkman. He thought I looked like a sheriff, but uh, I don't know. Um, glad you're all here. We're going to be heading out in a couple hours to Horsegate at the Crossbrand Cowboy Church in Lindale for meet and greet. It's still got time to register for that. If you go to their, you can go to their Facebook page, their website, and I've shared it several times. Um, that's, I forget the, their website, but anyway, it's, it's on my Facebook page, pastors conference, leadership conference, or even just, you just want to come hear some good speakers conference. I think the tickets are $15. Um, you can see them for registration. It's tomorrow. We'd love to have you. And, uh, would, uh, yeah, that's it. I just love to see you there. We're going to set up a booth. That's what I was trying to think of. I drew a blank. We're going to be setting up a vendor booth, have some of our goods talking about our ministry. Love to have you. As always, if you're there watching with us today, um, make a comment in the little Facebook thing there. And, uh, we'd love to talk back and forth with you and let you, let us know that you're there. Um, I'm running a little late. Sorry about that. I actually had a um, work meeting. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? Sorry, interrupted producer was looking for stuff. Um, hey, Gail, nice to have you with us. Today we're back in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We ended up last week just talking about you know, how, what it means, what it looks like to follow godly wisdom versus earthly wisdom. And one of the things, I guess, if I could summarize what we talked about was that um, it's real easy sometimes to feel like, I know Tim said this one time last week, that it's easy to feel like, well, one of these days I'm finally going to reach this level of maturity where I'm going to flip the switch and from every time there on, I'm going to see things God's way. I'm going to have his eyes, see things in the kingdom, you know, properly. And it's just going to come to me. Um, that's not really how that works. And, you know, part of this passage is talking about, you know, that, that it is something that we pursue and, the Apostle Paul's coming at the church at Corinth, and he's writing this letter in such a way that, um, and he's coming and he's saying it like this because they're acting, or they are immature, and they're behaving immaturely. And so he's like, this is the reason I'm coming at you like this, is because of your maturity level or your lack thereof, really. Um, but we're talking about, I think we got down in about half of the, of the chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and talking about couple of things I want to bring out in the end of the chapter. It won't be a long podcast today. Um, but as we, as we kind of seek through this, one of the things I was thinking about in, in prep for this, I'm always looking for real practical application. And sometimes things you learn in scripture, they're just academic or they're truths, that's who God is and that sort of thing. But I also want to know, how does that change my life today? How does that help me to walk through my life today? And where I see this particular concept coming up most of the time is, and we talked about this a little bit last week, but as something confronts us, meaning that we have a problem or an issue in our life, or um, we've got a situation that we have to discern, um, and that's really what this is talking about, is talking about discernment. How do I discern what's happening? I know. How do I discern what, what God, what are you doing? We talked about that, asking that question, God, what are you doing in this situation? Even if it looks like it's going crazy, 
to step back and say, all right, what's God doing? And, and being able to know. And some people kind of have this idea that we can't know and that we won't ever know. And, and I don't believe that to be true, um, especially because of this very text. Um, and, you know, again, we're talking about human wisdom versus divine wisdom. As we get into, let me raise my Bible up a little bit because I can't see it. As we get into this text, I think we left off in like six or seven. Um, and he's talking about in verse seven, he says that he's speaking um, God's hidden wisdom in a mystery, a wisdom that God predestined before the ages of our glory. Um, I think it's important to note that spiritual things to non-spiritual people are foolishness, uh, according to the scriptures. And if you start giving kingdom and principles and perspective um, on a situation to someone who's either lost or just not looking at things with kingdom eyes, with, with a spiritual perspective, it, it's not even just going to be that you're going to have conflict. It's not going to make any sense. Uh, the, he says this is, this is something that God has, has preordained you know, before the ages, that he has this wisdom and this mystery and how things are working. Um, some people would say he's got an upside-down kingdom. It works differently than what we think the world should do. In verse 8, he says, None of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom, because if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Um, they just couldn't see who he was. Uh, they could only see who they thought he was or what they thought he was going to be doing, and, and they just couldn't see it. But then he says in verse 9, As it is written, What no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who love Him. And a lot of people take this verse and they're like, oh, this means that the place He's, the, the building that He's going to give us to live in in eternity is so far above what we could you know, ever imagine. It's not really what He's talking about in this particular context. Now, He's quoting an Old Testament passage, and that's a different story. But, but really what He's getting down to in this is like there are mysteries he, of, of the wisdom of God that he says, but he's prepared those for those who love him. And this idea that we can really not know what exactly it is that God wants to us, I, I, I'm, I'm a little dismissive of that because he goes on to say in verse 10, now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit. That these, this mystery, this wisdom that God had, this way of looking at the world is revealed to us by the Spirit. And he says, since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So if there's something we want to know, like what is God doing here? What is the situation? The Spirit knows what the reality is. We talk about shadow and reality all the time. Um, uh, and what we really want to do, according to the Scriptures, is, is to not focus on what we can see, focus on what we can't see, focus on the reality, not the shadow. So how do you do that? Well, you appeal to the one who knows the reality, who is not duped by the, the shadow, and that's the Spirit. And, and the Spirit knows, according to this text, all of the details that we need. And so we appeal to that Spirit, and we're given the Spirit. He says in verse 11, For, you, for who knows a person's thoughts except his Spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. I love that analogy because there are things that I think about myself. I mean, there, you have thoughts in your mind. You don't share them with everybody. They're just your thoughts. That's who you really are. And they always used to say, you know, who are you when you lay down at night and you're alone with your thoughts? Well, who can know the inner secrets of a, of a person except their own spirit? 
Well, the same is true for the Spirit of God. He knows all of the deep secrets of God. And then he says in verse 12, Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit, capital S, who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. We don't, we don't have the spirit of the world, and here's where people get into trouble, especially in the Western culture, in Western church. We have problem X is presented to us maybe as an organization, and so we start applying worldly uh, solutions to the, to the problem, or we start even identifying the problem through earthly human uh, lenses and metrics and trying to define it but what we should be doing is looking at it, defining it, and discerning it through the Spirit of God, because all we're going to be able to do if we look at it through human earthly eyes is discern it in a human earthly sense. And then we won't even apply a kingdom solution because we're all we're doing is operating in that earthly realm. So it's encouraging to me that he says all of this stuff, in verse 3 says, we have received the Spirit, we have not received the Spirit of the world, We've received the Spirit who comes from God, and He just got through telling us that that Spirit knows the very details and intimate secrets of God, and it is revealed to us, and the purpose is, in verse 12, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God, so that we can know what we're doing. First John 5, 11, uh, was it 5, 11 through 13, I think it is. It says, these things have I, are these things, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess it up, because I learned it in the King James that I'll, I'll paraphrase because I'm going to mess it up. I try to do word for word that we can know that we're saved because these things have been given to us. And he's like, you can know. And how do you know? Because the spirit lives in you. And that spirit that came from God knows all there is to know. And he may not reveal all of that to us. Um, he certainly won't reveal everything to us. Um, we know that because we don't know everything, but we have that same spirit. Everything that can be known the source of that knowledge lives in us. I mean, think about that for a second. You know, they thought the scrolls of Alexandria were incredible. And we think Google or chat GPT or some AI is amazing, but everything that could ever be known about the cosmos and the history and eternal things, the spirit knows and the spirit lives within us so that he can reveal things to us that God wants to freely give us. He goes on in verse 13. He says, we also speak these things not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. That's why it's important. If we're, we're not going to convince the world of our spiritual truths if they don't have the Spirit because they're spiritually discerned. So don't freak out when you're trying to explain spiritual concepts to people and they're not getting it and not understanding it because they don't have the Spirit. They don't have this source of knowledge that knows all things living within them. And what we do explain to them is foolishness, and it's weird to them. Um, and so where does this show up even for believers? My nose is itching today. Um, where this shows up a lot of times for believers, again, is like if we have, let's just use a, a church context. You know, there's maybe conflict or a situation, and we're not sure exactly how to get it. And you've got maybe one set of minds going down a very earthly, man-centered, here's what you do with this situation, uh, kind of a, a situation, but maybe you've got 
a, another school of thought that's like, yeah, but what's the kingdom actually doing here? What's the spirit working here? And it's a different mindset. And those will, those will begin to clash sometimes. And, uh, and, and because the earthly human approach to not only discerning and defining, but solving certain situations, if there's a problem to solve, will be different than if you take a kingdom discernment, a kingdom definition, and then apply a kingdom-oriented solution. How do you know the difference? Well, you have to appeal to the Spirit because it's the Spirit that knows everything, that lives in us, that will tell us. And so, and he says that's what he's here for. Look in verse 14. He says, but the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit because it's foolishness to him, and he is not able to understand it since it is evaluated spiritually. That, that tells me don't get upset with people when they don't get it. They can't get it. But that doesn't mean that we stop pursuing what's right. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times we've come across a situation and we'll, as a group, or maybe not just as a, like as a church, but maybe even as a family, you pursue dealing with a situation, whether it's a problem to solve or not, it's just addressing a situation. And, you know, there's a there's an earthly way to do it, and maybe there's a kingdom way to do it. And you try to to do what, what the kingdom wants you to do, and people look at you and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. And there's no way that you can explain it to them because they don't get it. Uh, and, and they're not looking at it in the right way. So kind of the whole point behind this this talk for the last two weeks is to discipline ourselves to to listen to to well to pursue to seek knowledge from the holy spirit through the word through prayer and then we listen because he's the one that knows and when he gives us the way to approach things a lot of times it's going to look crazy to the world and that's okay he's telling us they don't get it and that's all right um, you know, this the whole idea of being the, the least is the first in the kingdom of heaven. That's backwards according to the world standards. And, and so if we're focused on the way the world does things, we're going to miss what the kingdom says we ought to do, and we're going to miss and, and misinterpret a lot of times. If we're running everything we come across through the metrics the world provides us instead of the metrics the Spirit provides us, that's why he says to test the spirits. Because the one who knows everything, who lives in us, is the one that we need to be seeking. In verse 19, he says, The spiritual person, however, by contrast, can evaluate everything. And yet, he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. Really, the point of that to me, that is encouragement to me, is the spiritual person. Now, what in the world is a spiritual person? That is someone who not only has the Holy Spirit, because of their, their, they put their faith and their trust in Christ, they, they are a child of God that lives within us, but that we're pursuing and listening. We're in prayer. We're in the Word. That person that's living in that place, he says, can evaluate everything. That doesn't mean you're going to get it perfectly right all the time. These are still broken vessels in which this Spirit of, that lives, the Spirit of knowledge and wisdom and things that come. And so, how do you get that? We, we were talking, yesterday. I was talking with someone Wednesday night even. It's just not something that just comes because a light switch turned off. Um, we see Abraham um, later in his life you know, doing things like when he was at Mount Moriah with Isaiah. God said, go sacrifice your son. And it says he immediately got up. He saddled the wood onto his son's back and they headed off. Immediate obedience. 
because he had a fear of the Lord. But earlier in the story, before Isaac got here, he still had the promise of Isaac then, but he, he couldn't see it. He was looking at it through earthly eyes saying, I'm too old. Sarah's too old. This is never going to work. But I believe God made us a promise. So let's help him fulfill his promise. They brought in Hagar. They had Ishmael. Well, Ishmael was not the child of promise. And they, they couldn't see this hidden way, as it were, this way. They just couldn't understand how is this promise going to come about because they were looking at it through earthly wisdom and earthly eyes. And so they tried to help God you know, perform His task and, and, and fulfill His promise through earthly means, and, and it didn't work out. It was a disaster, even though Ishmael was still blessed by God. Isaac came along later as the child of promise. But that's what we do all the time. We think, I know what God think, I think God is saying here, but I can't see how he's going to do it. So here's this earthly set of skills I'll put to it, and we'll make it happen. And instead, he says, you know what? You need to evaluate things, to discern things, to look at things um, with spiritual eyes. You need to uh, attack problems with spiritual wisdom. And the reason that 1 Corinthians is even coming at it in the first place, the reason the letter exists, is because they were immaturely behaving and approaching church, Christian life, the world, in an immature fashion, not relying on the Spirit. And he's like, I'm coming at you like this to show you the difference. You're evaluating things with earthly wisdom, and, and what you've been given in the Spirit is a heavenly wisdom. It's divine. It comes from the Spirit. He knows all things, and you're not operating in that vein. And so he says in verse 16, he sums it up, For who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That is a huge statement. He's like, listen, nobody knows everything the Lord knows, right? And nobody knows more than him. So who, who's going to instruct him? And he says, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the Spirit of God, this Spirit who knows the mind of Christ. He's, how do, what does it mean that we have the mind of Christ? Well, he just told us a little bit later, or excuse me, a little bit earlier, remember he made the analogy, who can know my inner thoughts except my own spirit, right? Well, who can know God's inner thoughts? Who can know Christ's inner thoughts except the spirit that lives within him? And we've been given that spirit, that Holy Spirit. See, Jesus left, the spirit came, and we have that indwelling Holy Spirit so that we can know what is in the mind of Christ. But we have to fight through the garbage of our flesh and our own mind and our own wicked hearts. We have to dig through that stuff. And we have to push through it. And that takes time. It takes sanctification, time in the Word, time in prayer. And, you know, and that's what brings us to a place. It actually literally changes our thinking. I learned something this morning. I didn't know this. Um, honestly, I'll just tell you, I was talking with a doctor this morning about some, some headaches. Looks like I've been having some migraines and things. And at the end of the, of the session, she asked me an interesting question. She says, do you do, and she could, she kind of stumbles, she says, do you do meditation or, or, or prayer or anything like that on a regular basis? And I said, well, actually, yeah, I, I do spend, you know, a good time amount of prayer and, you know, and study and prayer and stuff every morning. And she said, good, keep that up. And I said, okay, where are you going with that? And she said, physically speaking, I mean, just 100% physiologically speaking, the problem with our brains a lot of times we have to rewire our neurosynapses and things 
and you do that to stave off Alzheimer's or dementia, they'll tell you to do word puzzles and do things that challenge your mind, right? Well, they've also been able to prove clinically um, that prayer actually helps you to rebuild or build new neuropathways. Literally, prayer, meditation on Scripture, spending time with the Lord, can, according to the neurologist, can physically change the way your brain thinks and, and forges those neuropathways into that path. And so that just, I'm going to have to go on this tangential study um, into when he talks about renewing your mind, um, there is a part of, I mean, that's your spirit and your way of thinking. But what she was telling me this morning kind of blew my mind is there's actually a physiological counterpart to that too, that as you renew the way that you think, and as you renew the way that you look at the world, and as you and adopt this and listen to the spirit, it actually physically can remap the way that your brain responds to things and the way that it works. That fascinates me. And, and so it's not hocus pocus. It's just the body coming into, into unity and in conjunction with the Spirit and living by the Spirit. And so we're always talking about kingdom vision and pursuing kingdom vision. We're always talking about what it looks like to follow the Lord, what it looks like to, to jump out there and uh, evaluate things the way the Lord sees them. And according to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if you're a follower of Christ, you have the Spirit of God in you that knows everything, so this is possible. It may take you some time to learn to listen to it. It may take us some time to see it the way He does, but we have to pursue it. We have to make an intentional, dis disciplined um, effort not to evaluate, define, and apply earthly things and logic to our situations but conversely to evaluate, define, and apply kingdom principles to what we find. Um, if you're free tomorrow, guys, come on out to Horsegate over and get you a ticket. You have to buy a ticket. I think they're 15 bucks um, over on Crossbrand uh, Cowboy Church in Lindale. Go to their Facebook page. They have links everywhere. We'd love to see you come by the booth or, or the table that we're going to have and, uh, and say hello. If you're a pastor or a leader out there, you will not regret it. It is a great conference, and I know you'll enjoy it. Um, thanks for joining us today. If you're watching this and it's not live, um, go ahead and make comments on it if, if, if you can, if they're still open. Share it around. Do the like thing and all that kind of stuff. Help us out on the algorithms. Hope you all have a great weekend, and we're about to head out of here. See you later. Bye-bye.